Morning church, before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to see you here. Okay, so good to see all of you, in spite of the very wet weather, that you have made it to church. And of course, this service is our confirmation service. We have uh, about 35 or so brothers and sisters who are taking that step. And of course, uh, we're very glad that this morning we have uh, Bishop Kwan Kim Singh, who is no stranger for us, to bring the Word. Now we're going to begin with a reading of the Word. Uh, first reading, the Old Testament reading, comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 27. And I'll be reading from verse 30 to 34. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If therefore a man wishes to redeem a part of his tithe, he shall add to it one-fifth of it. For every tenth part of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He is not to be concerned whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. Or if he does exchange it, then both it and the substitute shall become holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the sons of Israel at Mount Sinai. The New Testament reading, the Gospel reading, is taken from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 6, and reading from verse 19 to 24. Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This morning, we are very happy to invite our bishop. So, would you put your hands together? as we have Bishop Kwan Kim Singh come and bring the word and to later confirm the candidates. Well, church, what a joy it is to be here today uh, to celebrate with you to worship God together. And uh, your leadership team told me, while well, we were communicating, uh, today is a special day. Would you please lead the church in praying for senior pastor Daniel? Right? This is his birthday. So I say I will. So friends, would you please stand with me together and we pray for Pastor Daniel. Okay, set your hands to him and I'm going to lead you in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for giving us life. And Lord, that you not only caused us to be born, Lord, you knew every detail of our lives. Lord, we 
this morning, we especially thank you, Lord God, for Senior Pastor Daniel. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have enabled him, you have shaped his life, and you have given him leadership capacity. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for his family. And now, today, we ask you, Lord God, to bless him and his family. Lord, his family, his extended family, and the church family, Lord God. And also, Lord, we pray for Daniel that you will strengthen him. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that the latter days of his life, you will use him even more greatly, Lord God, than the former years. Thank you, Father, for all that you are doing, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Church, please be seated. The, I go straight to the sermon title. It is GST for Jesus. Now, I know GST is a highly debatable term, right? I'm no politician, but I think in a way, there are some things are necessary. Tax is one of the uh, inevitable necessities of life. But GST for Jesus is a little bit different, right? GST for Jesus. And uh, what I want to do uh, is to... Oh, do you see on screen? Oh, okay. All right. So what I want to do is uh, to explain or to actually unpack for you the words of Jesus that was read earlier on, right? And what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I think a message like this is particularly important for us in Singapore today. And uh, I think it is, it is something that we need to, to, to reflect deeply, right? Uh, GST for Jesus actually is to lay up treasures in heaven, right? And then I have a subtitle uh, for the sermon title, right? And it is Macedonia. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of Macedonia. I'm sure many of you will think of Alexander the Great. Right? He was born a prince of Macedonia, right? Alexander the Great. But never mind, we will come to that later on. And then, alabaster flask. Now, if you read the Bible, our mind will straight away go back to a famous incident, alabaster flask. And then, the tenth, right? And then, the tenth. Now, GST for Jesus stands for giving. G, S, stands for sacrificial giving. And T stands for tithe. G, S, T, for Jesus, right? And let me begin by unpacking uh, G, right? Now, the way I'm going to do uh, this morning is G first, then I'm going to jump to T, right? And then I will come back to S. Now, G is for giving. And giving is part of the image of God that we were created in. Now, often we, use, we all like the phrase, or we like the verse, John 3.16, right? I don't know about you, this is one of the earliest verses uh, of passages of Scripture that we memorize, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we use it all the time when we share the gospel, right? However, 
we often share, we often emphasize only the ending part of the verse. But the first part of the verse actually is the, most is, is the more important part. For God so loved that He gave. Right? Now, giving is part of the image of God that we were given in, that, that, we, were, that we were created in. Unfortunately, because, because of sin, human beings, by and large, instead of being givers, we are grabbers. In fact, the word grab has become a good word in Singapore. <laughs> or in our power, the word grab, right? But giving. Now, Jesus taught clearly on the blessedness of giving. And it's recorded for us, interestingly, not in the main part of the gospel, but in the book of Acts, right? Where Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, most people, when they think of this, when, when they think of this of, of Jesus, we, we just hear this and, and it, just, it just fly by, fly past us. But Jesus says, it is more blessed to give. Human beings generally will say, no, no, it's more blessed to keep for yourself. But Jesus, either Jesus is wrong or we are wrong, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Then thirdly, I want to learn, we want, I want to suggest that we learn from the church in Macedonia. That's where we, that's where we uh, begin early on, or I, I begin early on, by making reference to, to, to Macedonia. Now turn your Bibles if you, with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And here Paul, of course writing to the church, the church, in, the, the church in Corinth, uh, basically was trying to encourage them to be generous uh, in a crisis relief situation. Let me read for you and then unpack and then say a couple of words. Unpack it with a couple of words, a couple of comments. Now we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in the severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and the extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, Paul here was basically taking two uh, situations and he put them together. He says, look, that these people, they were, that these, Macedon these, these Macedonians, right, the, the, church, the churches in Macedonia, Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and the extreme poverty, the Macedonian church was simply poor. And yet, and yet, when it came to a crisis relief situation, this is what they did. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, on their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. What happened was, there was a crisis relief situation. By the way, crisis relief, I mean crisis, famines, and uh, whatever, right? Natural disasters has been part of human society for the longest time. We see it all, I mean, we see it today. Right. And so the church here in the case 
Paul was writing to a church in Corinth and uh, he wanted to relieve, uh, to raise crisis, uh, to, to raise support for the church in Jerusalem area. And he says, guys, let's give something. Now, the, the, the churches in Macedonia, in, even in their poverty, wanted to give something. And so Paul was holding them up as, as, as an example, right? And giving, giving. Giving is part and parcel of how God has created us to be, right? And God's image, though mud, is still within us. And one of the, one of the great things about the Spirit of God, as He comes into our life, He shapes us back into this, uh, into this image of being givers again. Okay, let me, let me move on. And the reason why I need to go to tea is because the teaching in Scripture on tithing, right, actually shapes us in our giving. Now, giving, tithing is not giving. Hear me, hear, hear this again. Tithing is not giving, right? Let's look at the text in Leviticus 27. Now, the book of Leviticus is, let me just summarize, let me summarize that for you, is a, is a national constitution, right? When the Jewish people, when the Hebrews were taken out, were delivered from Egypt, what had governed them was the Egyptian rules and laws. But when they were out um, in the wilderness and going into the promised land, there was nothing to rule their lives. There was nothing to guide their lives. So God gave them a set of instructions on how they are to rule their lives, right? And Leviticus, if we read through the book of Leviticus, from that perspective, it's very, very interesting. God gave them so much rules on how to govern their lives. For example, whom they can marry and whom they cannot marry. For example, on how they harvest, right? So when they harvest, God says, look, when you harvest, Please do not harvest 100%. Leave some for the poor. By the way, in God's eyes, 100% efficiency is not His plan. We Singaporeans have to think carefully. Right? Leave some for the poor. Don't take everything. Right? And uh, Leviticus also has rules on, you know, when you build, this is how you, this is how you have to build. Right? You make sure that your buildings are safe. Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus. So the book of Leviticus has a lot of instructions on how to govern society. And then the book of Leviticus ends up with the most important instruction. Now obviously, you, I'm sure you agree with me, when we teach many things, items, 20 points to be delivered, we always make sure the most important one we put at the end. Just in case the, whoever we are teaching Forget all the first 18 points. At least you remember like, the number 19 and 20, right? So I, I suggest to you that this is the way, I mean, God basically put his teaching on the tithe right at the end of all his instructions because I think it is important, right? Let me go back, summarize that for you. God simply says the tithe, right? Every tithe of the land, right? 
And we are looking at, we of course are looking at a pastoral society, right? Things where, where, where people grow and they keep animals. He says, all the things that grow up from the ground, right? And ground will be, will be your wheat, your corn, and so on. Or anything that, that comes from a tree. Your pomegranates, your fruit, right? Anything that grows either from below or on top, any, in, in essence, anything that is produced, right? The tithe belongs to the Lord. God says that. Right, and then it comes to animals. Very interesting. When it comes to animals, every tenth of the animals, right? So I suppose the uh, the shepherd is what he, what he would do is uh, he would take all his animals, his flock, maybe a few hundred of them, and every year one time he will count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The tenth one he takes and put it into a separate cont- uh, area and say this is God's, right? This is this is how the instruction goes. And then the instruction is very interesting. I don't know about you, the first time I read this, I read this part of scripture, I said, oh, this is so funny. Because God, knowing human heart, God says this. He says, when, 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 you, when it comes to the animals that, that you are counting, do not differentiate between the good and the not so good. Right? And you know human beings? Six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, the next one's so fat. Human beings, shh, 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 right? And take the not so fat one and say, God, this is yours. God says, if that happens, both the fat one and the thin one becomes holy. Now, the word holy simply means it is reserved for God. It is set apart for God. Holy does not mean you walk two inches above the air. Right? Holy means this is God's property. Don't touch it. Now, let me ask a question. Does God need pocket money? Obviously not, right? God doesn't need pocket money. You know, God, God doesn't need anything at all. So why did God institute the tithe? Well, the answer is very simple. The answer is because the tithe is a way of teaching us about God. Teaching us to relate to God. Now, because when God says that the tithe is mine, it is holy unto the Lord. By the way, it's said here three times in Leviticus. It is holy unto the Lord. What does it mean? It means don't touch it. Return it to Him. Right? Return it to Him. And so, we should never say, right? We should never say, let us now give our tithes to God. We don't give our tithes to God. We return His tithes back to Him. It's a different, there's a big difference between returning God's tithes back to Him and giving our tithes to God. Right? And God makes it very clear, every tenth animal, every tenth, well, of every fruit you pluck, one belongs to him, right? One belongs to him. And why did God put in place such an interesting demand? Well, I think the answer is this. The tithe is God's instrument in helping us, in shaping our hearts in relating, to, in relating to Him. Now, some people say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, you tithe. In the New Testament, it's up to you. It's, it's, a, it's a season, it's an age of grace. Okay? I think when a person talks to you like that, he probably doesn't have a deep understanding of Holy Scripture. Because Scripture makes it very clear Old Testament, New Testament, the tithe is God's, belongs to God. And if we were to reason out this way, uh, that 
tithe, the tithe was practiced long before the law was given. Who was the first person in Scripture to, that Scripture records as returning to God his tithe? Answer, Abraham. Abraham practiced the returning of the tithe to God 400 years before the law was given. So therefore, you cannot say, well, uh, the tithe is Old Testament law. I say, the tithe, returning to God his tithe, is an expression of faith, of Abrahamic type faith. And you know, our faith is shaped by Abraham, the father of faith, right? Now, very interesting, in the uh, account of Abraham uh, on the tithe, uh, what had happened was he suddenly became very rich. The Bible told, uh, records for us that uh, Abraham was forced into a military conflict, not of his choice, right? Some kings had snatched his uh, nephew Lot and he, had, he needed to rescue, right, Lot? And in order to rescue Lot, he took his soldiers. Scripture says he had 318 soldiers, small army, right? But he attacked the other fellas, rescued Lot, and in the custom of the day, whatever you, whatever you, well, in our slang language, uh, whatever you gas up become yours, right? You want to fight, all this become yours. And so suddenly Abraham, had, his wealth, his wealth grew exponentially. And I suppose he gave part of the loot to all his soldiers, but still a lot left, right? Then the Bible tells us, this man called Melchizedek appeared before him. And I tell you, we Anglicans love Melchizedek. Because when the Bible says, when Melchizedek appeared before him, Melchizedek appeared before Abraham with bread and wine. And some Anglicans say, no, you see, this Holy Communion is right there at the very beginning of Scripture. I say, okay, you want to argue that way? I, I won't debate with you. But Melchizedek appeared to do, one, to do two things. Number one, he blessed Abraham. Abraham then. Right? And the scripture reminds us in the letter to Hebrews that it's the greater who blessed the lesser. But more important than that, Abraham returned the tithe to Melchizedek. Actually, we can never understand Melchizedek, uh, the, the, the ministry of Melchizedek, because he only appeared two times in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Right? He appeared in Genesis 12, he appeared in Psalm 110. And really, you cannot understand Melchizedek until you go to the letter to the Hebrews. And in the letter to the Hebrews, there's a long three or four chapters that explain Melchizedek. Why? What, what is so important Melchizedek? He appeared to collect the tithe. And, in the, and the author of Hebrews even argued this way. He said, you know, Melchizedek, even the Levites who were supposed to collect the tithe, received the tithe, from fellow Hebrews, even the Levites returned the tithe to Melchizedek because they were in the loins of Abraham at the point of time when Abraham offered the tithe. So basically, the tithe is, the, the tithe is an expression of genuine faith in God. Now, some people say, look, you know, you know this is, but this is so difficult to do. Tithing is a struggle, right? Tithing is a struggle, and I tell you why God introduced, put in place tithing, right? Because tithing, 10% is difficult to bring to God. It sets us free from the bondage 
of material wealth over our lives. Now, in the, in, in the, uh, let me just unpack a little bit uh, on the uh, passage, the gospel reading that uh, Pastor Daniel read for us, right? And it's the passage, in, in that passage, Jesus said to, uh, well, all of us who will follow him, right? And the text is a difficult text because it talks about a choice between two persons and two places, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not. So that's the first imperative and it's stated in the negative. Do not do this, right? Don't do this. And why don't do this? Because it's a waste of time, right? Moths, trust, destroy, consume, and so on. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now it's stated in the positive. Don't waste your time laying up treasures on earth. Lay up in heaven. Why? Because it's eternal, right? It's eternal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where you lay your treasure is the indication of your heart, right? And then the eye is the lamp or the body and so on. This part of the text over here, sometimes you read this and say, what, is, what on earth is Jesus saying? Right? I summarize it for you in three minutes. And Jesus here is using a, a Hebraic, Hebraism, a, a, a Hebrew idiom. Right? A Hebrew idiom. Okay, let me, before I explain the Hebrew idiom, let me explain this. If I say to somebody, right, Somebody who is learning Chinese, Mandarin, eh? not, a, not a Chinese person, but let's say, well, I, let's say he's an he's a Angmoa, and he, I, 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 I say to him, he's learning Mandarin, and I say to him, I thought he would understand, I, would say, to, I say to him, hey, ching ni ma sang lai. And after 10 minutes, the joker didn't turn up. After 20 minutes, he didn't turn up. So I say, hey, brother, I tell you, ching ni ma sang lai. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm still looking for a horse. If you are looking for a horse, you don't understand Chinese, right? Idiom. Now, the idiom about the eye being the lamp of the body and so on and so forth, the eye is dark, simply means don't be stingy. Don't be stingy, right? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How? By giving. Then Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word serve here in English language is not strong, right? In the, in the, in the Jewish text or in the, sorry, in, the, in the Greek text, in the original text, it's a strong word. You cannot duleo serve. You cannot serve like a slave. When it comes to money, you serve it like a slave. Come to God, it should be the same, right? You cannot serve God and money. The tithe is God's wisdom to do a spiritual heart transformation. The tithe is God's way of opening our hands from, become, from becoming or for being living as grabbers to givers. Let me go on to point two, and that is giving. Or that is sacrificial giving. There is giving, and there is sacrificial giving. 
Now, the passage that I'm referring to now is in Mark, but it's recorded in all the four Gospels, about a woman who came and just before Jesus was about to, about to be betrayed, the Bible tells us she came, broke a jar of perfume, right? Perfume, and she poured it on Jesus. And some people say, hey, guy, what on earth is that woman doing? She's wasting money, right? In fact, the Bible records for us, I think it was Judas who said, She's, that's, that's worth a lot of money. It's 300 denarii. Now, for us, 300 denarii has got no meaning, but how much is 300 denarii? It's a lot of money, right? In the days of Jesus, you work hard as a laborer. Every day, you get one denarius, right? Second day, you get another one. You got two denarii, denarii plural of denarius, right? 300 denarii will be one year's worth of salary. So she really gave a lot, right? She poured it on Jesus. And Jesus told the disciples, leave her alone, okay? Leave her alone. She has done what is good. She actually has anointed me for barrier, right? Actually, it's very interesting that the disciples, whom Jesus spent so much time teaching, didn't really believe that he would die. They did not really believe that he would die. In fact, they refused to accept the fact that this teacher of ours will be killed. But this woman, she saw that this master is about to die. There's only one time left for me to sacrifice what I will give to him. After this, no more chance. That's why she gave, right? That's alabaster flask giving. There is alabaster, there is alabaster flask giving and there is two copper coins giving. Now, for the two copper coins giving, I'd like you to turn your Bible with me to Mark chapter 12. It is so significant, I think we should look at the text. Mark chapter 12, it says in verse 41, Mark 12, 41, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watching the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, now he's teaching them good theology. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of the abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. There is giving, normal giving. There is generous giving. And I would categorize the giving of the 300 denarii as very generous giving. And then there's sacrificial giving. Two copper coins giving. And I don't think it would be wrong to say that two copper coins giving is measured by what we keep 
rather than by what we give. In two copper coin giving, copper can outvalue gold. Actually, two copper coin giving equalizes all humanity. Whether you are rich or you are poor, if, you, if we give Jesus to the point of our two copper coins, it equalizes everything. Even the rich, can out, even the poor, can outgive the rich. In the course of my ministry, I grew up in Singapore. We are generally well off. I'm ministering in Ethiopia at the present moment, and I see people who are extremely poor. Who are extremely poor. Right? I teach about, I teach, I, and I'm not shy about teaching them to return to God his tithe. They say it's very, so some people say, no, hey, Pastor Bishop, it's very easy for you in Singapore huh, to return to God his tithe. I say, no, it's difficult to return to God his tithe. We all struggle. Whether we are rich or poor, we struggle. And even the poor can be greedy. Even the poor can be stingy. But the poor can also give. And when the poor give to God his two, poker, his two copper coins, God is pleased. When we give to God our two copper coins, and maybe our, two copper, our Singaporean two copper coins are a little bit bigger than the two copper coins of the Ethiopians, God is pleased. Friends, why do we give? Because we love Him. We love Him absolutely. Why do we give? Because we are totally indebted to Him. I don't know about you, when I came to faith, for the first time I came to faith, I heard the gospel of God's forgiveness. And I know that what had happened is, when I trust my life to Jesus, I'm transferred out from darkness into light, from hell into, into the everlasting kingdom of God. And because God has transferred me into heaven or into his eternal kingdom, I'm forever grateful to him. Why do we give? And all giving must be to God. Because when we give to God, we cannot manipulate others. By the way, uh, there is giving that is manipulative. Uh, that kind of giving, a uh, CPA would like to know. Right? But giving to God, you cannot manipulate. Right? Because it is our duty, it is our joy, it is what the true worship of God is like. Because you and I are daughters and sons of the living God. Because the opportunity to give to God is only on this end of eternity. On the other end of eternity, the whole of Heaven. The Bible says that the road in heaven is paved with gold. I don't think any of us want to go and take some gold from the roads and say, Jesus, this is my offering to you. Right? He doesn't need that. Let me, we ask ourselves, what's our GST for Jesus like? In closing, I'd like to sing you a song. But if I sing you a song, you throw me out. So I just read to you, a song that I really like. A song by Ray Bolts, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Let me read that for you. 
I dream I went to heaven and you were there with me. We walk upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man and he was smiling as he came. And he said, you may not know me now, but then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week, you would say a prayer before the class would start. One day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm alive that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm alive that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. One by one, they came, far as the eyes could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaim. And I know that up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry. But I'm sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, my child, look around you for great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. Let's pause before God and let me say a word of closing prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you created us in your image. And Lord, Scripture reminds us that you are a God who gives because you love. And Lord, we pray today, Lord God, that you inscribe upon our hearts Holy Scripture. Send upon us, Lord God, your Holy Spirit and shape us, Lord God, into the image that we were created in. For God so loved that he gave. Shape us, Lord God, and make us channels of your blessing to a world that is in need of you. For we ask this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.